Money. It affects our everyday life. But how do we make more of it? Manage it. And make sure we make the most of our money. Welcome to Money Mindful, a podcast to teach and support you as you learn to manage your money. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mindful podcast. I am your host, Megan Jean Smith. I am a money mindset and life coach for women. I help everyday women just like you overcome insecurities and tap into the courage required to create your dreams. If you feel like you've been playing it small and staying safe, but know in your bones you're capable of more and want to start taking up more space in the world, I help women just like you do exactly that. And it's really easy. You can book a call to have a chat with me uh, and you can do that by going to the Money Mindful website. All right, let's do this. Let's get into this. I have such a treat for you. I am thrilled to have with us today a Wall Street Journal. That sounds so exciting. Um, Bestseller author, Kate Flanders. With me here, we're on Zoom. Kate, welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm actually really, really excited to talk to you today because uh, you are the first person in the money field that I feel I have come across that touches on feelings. And so I definitely want to get into talking to you more about that. But first, Uh, I will just let everybody know that we are reading Kate's book, The Year of Less in uh, Book Club this month. So if you're on, if you're a usual member of Book Club, you already know this, you've already got the book in your hand and you're already reading it. Uh, But if you're not, this is the author. We've got her right here. We're chatting. We're going to find out all about the book and more about Kate. So Kate, Perhaps we could start for somebody who hasn't read the book and is not planning to. Do you want to give us a little rundown on what it's about, what you're about? Yeah, yeah. Um, Gosh, this is actually kind of fun because I haven't talked about money in a little while, but it's still honestly one of my favorite topics. So I'm excited about this. Um, So I started writing about personal finance in 2010 when I was um, at that point, like close to being maxed out financially. Um, I actually started my blog and I wrote for about six months. And, and like I had this, like every intention of kind of getting my finances together, but I actually just didn't know how to do that yet. I sort of also hadn't hit my financial rock bottom. Um, so I wrote for about six months and my debt was actually just going up. And uh, eventually I stopped writing and just kind of disappeared for a few months. And then ultimately came back and said, okay, I'm back. I'm completely maxed out now. Meaning I had um, like $100 cash and $100 left on one of my credit card limits. So I had no option at that point, but to start uh, living and spending a little bit differently. Um, So I like from there went on to pay off all of my debt. Like I was, I was really strict and looking back on it um, was probably a bit, too hard on myself. I definitely felt a lot of shame during the period of time that I paid off my debt. And I think as a result of that, I was too hard on myself and also actually didn't really learn a ton because it was almost like my debt repayment period was like a punishment for what I had done. 
like all the debt that I'd gotten myself into. And so, yes, I paid it off and like, I'll, I'll never regret that obviously. Um, but if I'd had uh, just some like different thoughts around it or like less shame or something, because ultimately what ended up happening is as soon as I paid off my debt, I went right back to spending all my money. And so I didn't go back into debt at all. And I'm very grateful that that has never been the case since, but I went back to basically spending everything. So whereas before I was like putting upwards of like 50 to 55% of my income towards debt, I somehow went back to spending all of that money. And for my first year of being debt-free, I would, uh, I used to do this thing where I like shared my monthly budgets on my blog. And I would say like my goal this month is to save, let's say 20% of my income, which should have been very doable. Like for what my numbers were back then, that should have been so easy. And yet at the end of every month, I would come back and be like, well, that didn't happen. And I'd be like, you know, I saved maybe 5%. I think like the most were like 10 or 12. Um, but I would be like, oh, I saved like 5% or like 3% of my income. And then I would make all these excuses for why I had had to spend money on things. And I did that for an entire year. So for 12 months in a row, I would look at my numbers, not feel good about them. And, and not so much from a shame piece, but truly just like this I know, I know my numbers, I can do better than this. And ultimately decided um, I was going to try an experiment. So rather than it being like a punishment, the way my debt repayment was, I was like, what if I just tried to not shop for a year? So I just won't buy anything unless I absolutely need it. Um, and that's, that's where it started. I mean, like the book is, goes into definitely more than that, but that is what started was that I set out to do this challenge for a year. Uh, yeah, that is so interesting. And when you were talking about that and you were saying shame, what that made me think of and what I see people do, like clients that I coach and things like that, is that when we do things like we spend money or we eat food, right, and we then we restrict ourselves and we beat ourselves up, punish ourselves. That they were the words that you said. And it's so true. Like I've done it myself. It's like, we think that if we restrict ourselves and put ourselves through this crazy regime to get to where we want to be, because somehow we've done something wrong or we're wrong or something's wrong with us. And then finally we, we reach the goal, we pay off the debt or we lose the five kilos or whatever it was. But then there's no awareness around why we got to that place in the first place. And so then it's like just consume, consume again, like spend money or eat food or what, whatever it is, you know, drink alcohol. Like we all have our own little um, vices and it's different for everybody what we use. But I think um, you just clearly illustrated that in terms of you, you, sat, you paid off the debt but then didn't know like why you were in debt in the first place. Yeah. And I also um, like even in paying off the debt. So not only do you not learn like by any of those kinds of things that you just mentioned, whether it's dieting or anything like that, like not only do we not learn what got us into the position where we were wanting to do that, but the um, way that we decide to reverse it is not a realistic habit or lifestyle, right? So we we come up with these ideas like, I just have to do this thing for 30 or 60 days. 
and and then I'll be fine. Um, but they're either incredibly restrictive or um, just really not not good for our minds or mindsets. Yeah, it's and, like, sorry, go on. Oh, no. And I'm like, and so you just, you can get to the end of it. And even if you technically accomplished your goal per se, if you don't take the time to look at the emotional stuff that comes up and or just like, is this something I could do long term um, and feel good about it, it? It will not stick. And so then we go back and we repeat this stuff over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Yes. That's the thing. It's like, we can't hate ourselves debt free or mm-hmm. thin oh my gosh. or like sober. It's, and I think that's, that's the, like that's the missing link. And I found, I think this is what I just loved about your book so much. There are so many parts of the book and we'll talk about this more that just I deeply connected with because I felt like through the journey that you had with all the, um, the not spending the money, uh, the, the one that comes to mind, there was a point where you talked about a breakup that you had, mm. but you weren't drinking at the time and use. I can't remember the exact words, but you said something like for the first time I had to feel my emotions, you know, Mm. and actually just process it because I wasn't drinking them away. I mean, you didn't say it in those words, but um, to that effect that you were actually, you went on this journey and what happened is you actually learned how to process emotions because we're not taught that. Oh, yeah, we're not taught it and are strongly discouraged from it most of the time, right? Like whether it's like, it's not just um, men who are taught like not to cry. That is truly something that is passed down from from older generations and hopefully is something that we continue to teach our kids. It's absolutely okay to cry. Um, but it, it, even just something as simple as that, right? Like there's just examples of like, you're fine, just get on with it. And, and like, occasionally I guess that could be helpful but it is so important for us to understand what our feelings are and what um like what what is really going on inside of us because at the end of the day every action that we do or like the uh, many of the actions that we do are often feelings if we're not looking at them like if we do not know what the feeling is it will just come up in some kind of action and 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 even if you're aware like I actually just had a situation a couple weeks ago with a friend where Um, I was really upset about something kind of in our friendship and I noticed in our communication that I had shifted, but I would, I would notice it and be like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to say things like that. Like I don't want to be angry or I don't want to be, uh, to feel this way. And then ultimately act out at her for it. Cause it's like, we, we just need to talk about this. Like there's clearly something going on. Um, but the same can be true for money. Like if we're not identifying the feelings, it does come out in spending, in saying yes to a lot of stuff, in um, a lot of online purchases or just really mindless pr- purchases of things we don't actually have a real intention of using. Um, going into debt, thinking that we can just deal with the minimum payments, like whatever it is. Uh, that's why I, it's so interesting that you said at the beginning, like that not many people talk about feelings and money because I'm like, they are so interlinked, like so interlinked. <laughs> Totally. It's like everything we do or don't do, whether you realize this or not, it's because of how we think we're going to feel or think Mm. that or avoid feeling a particular way. It's like, why do we go and buy that new 
dress or whatever. It's because we think we're going to feel better when we have this new dress. We're going to look better. Or why do we want that new car? Because we think that our life is going to be better with that new car. We're going to feel better with that new car. Why do we avoid talking to our mother-in-law on the phone or whatever? Because we want to avoid the negative emotions we feel when we talk. By the way, I have a great relationship with my mother-in-law. <laughs> um, but I'm just using that as an example I'm sure people can relate to. But I actually think this is like the secret source of life. Like once you figure this out, that if you just allow yourself to feel your feelings, and I don't mean react to feelings, no. um, but actually feel them because they're, they're a vibration in our body. Like it's actually something that we we feel it in our body. And if you just let yourself feel it, then it's like, oh, oh, that's it. Like, the, I mean, you know, shame doesn't feel good. Doesn't, it's not like, woohoo, let's, let's sit and feel shame all day. Great. But if you don't resist it by going out and buying a heap of stuff you don't need or eating a heap of food that you're not actually even hungry for, then we, we just get on with our lives without having this net negative result. I mean, what do you think about it? Because I feel like that is what you were talking about in the book. Yes. Uh, even just the examples you were just listing, it made me think of the friend I was just talking about. It was actually my best friend, Emma. Like Emma is my closest friend. And also because of that, it makes sense that like we would have things come up in our friendship. You don't just have a best friend because things are magical and amazing all the time, right? It's because you have learned how to have harder conversations. And so by me, actually, I literally named the things that were, that I was feeling that I was like, these actually have nothing to do with you. I'm noticing in myself that like, there is something like my healing is not over in this department of, of something that I thought I was good with. Oh, I'm actually not. So it's like showing me that there's a little more work for me to do. And I'm sorry that I haven't been a great friend for a couple of weeks. Okay. Like naming it, it, it just changed everything. Then there was open dialogue. And then it's also squashed. Like, it's just fine. Um, with the book and just the topics, I mean, one of the big things is that, as you know, in reading it, is that I not only talk about the fact that, you know, I decided to not buy things for a year, which I did learn a ton about. I learned a ton about it. Like you said, in the breakup, I sort of, um, for the first time ever, like noticed that retail therapy was a bit of a thing for me. I don't think I was someone who shopped all the time. I do think I was someone who shopped emotionally. And and more the um, more often on my end was the negative emotions. So I remember my editor and also my agent both saying to me, it would be great if you could include some examples of buying things to treat yourself. And like a lot of people do that. And I was like, I don't do that. Like I actually have, because so much of my stuff is negative and like not feeling good enough in my own skin, not feeling worthy. I do not buy things to treat myself. Like that is the exact opposite of how I do things um, or, or like as rewards, right? Like I, I buy things essentially to feel better. And, but so I talk about shopping, of course, but I also talk about drinking, like you said, and like giving up drinking first, it was the first thing that I sort of um, stopped doing. Um, it, it was the longest lesson to learn, or it came with the longest lessons or was the one that took me the longest to get the most comfortable with. Um, but it taught me everything that I would need, including the start of this, which is that I had to feel feelings for the first time. 
and, and, and that you, um, you know, relationships might get disrupted or even end or different things like that. Um, but yeah, it, with the like end of the day, I really think that there's something to it of, of not feeling like enough for me, that is where so much of both of those things came from, both of those habits. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally relate to that. And and the crazy thing is, is even as a really competent, capable woman, like I, I mean, I also feel like I'm really strong and all these things, but it's kind of like the 50-50, you know, we, we, we have all these positive emotions about ourselves, but we have all these negative emotions too. And then we think there's something wrong with us. But it's like, there's nothing wrong with us. It's just the human, the human experience. But I'm, I, I want to take this a step further because I listened to the, uh, when you Google your name, this <laughs> YouTube, YouTube video comes up. It's sort of like oh, at gosh. the top of, um, and you're speaking at Google, I think it is. Oh, you do gosh. this talk at Google. <laughs> And no, I loved it. And I was listening to it. And one of the things you said, I took a couple of notes on my phone, which I've got here because I wanted to ask you about it, is mm. you referred to your spending pre the journey that you took of no spending. And I'll get you to explain that a bit further too, because sure, yeah, yeah. even even for me, um, I when I I heard about your book ages ago and I never um, read it at the time, but in, as soon as I saw the year of lessons, read the blurb, like, oh yeah, not shopping for a year. My mind immediately went to, oh, she, how did she do that? Like, what did she do? Mm. She never spent any money. Like, what does that even mean? So I'll get, uh, that's part we'll two. Do that. The, yeah, that's part <laughs> two. But the first thing was, is you, you said in the talk that you were an emotional consumer and this is kind mm. of what we're talking about, but do you, are you able to flesh that out a bit? Like what you mean by that? Because I think lots of people listening have this same, do exactly the same thing, but are just maybe not aware of it yet. Yeah. Um, gosh. Like, first of all, consumer for me means um, a- anything that is an input. Um, but then also, I guess, like, financially, it's an output, but because you're probably bringing something in to your home. Um, so, you know, obviously like shopping or buying things could be one of them, drinking, eating things, but honestly also just like, um, spending too much time on your phone or computer or, you know, binging television for not just like a one night thing. Like if occasionally you're like, this is what we're doing, that's totally fine. But, but really when you're just like every single evening seems to be, just binging nonstop, like you're, you're just really not present at all in your life. And it just becomes your routine. Um, all of those things to me, looking back now, I'm like, so much of it was a coping mechanism that I wasn't, I just was not kind of ready to be with myself, I guess. And so, um, part of it was also learned behavior in that, you know, you can see how your family, um, deals with stress, whether it is shopping or, you know, when the workday is over, it is then spending the rest of the evening in front of the television, whatever it is, like some of it's learned. But um, as a result, like I, I just really, like we were talking about, did not know, um, yeah, how to deal with anything in a actual productive way. So for the most part, I ended up being an emotional consumer or, or just like a binge consumer of literally everything. And what I talked about or like kind of figured out more by the end of that year was what I really was doing 
as I kind of let myself, whether it was like feeling the feelings, making the connections between drinking. Um, and even later as the year went on, my parents ended up um, separating and getting divorced. And I honestly, even at age 29, it was a little surprising. Even just looking back now, sometimes I'm like, I was devastated by that. I was devastated by my parents getting split up or splitting up. And all of those things, I learned these different lessons of I had kind of stripped away my little coping mechanisms, right? Like, so it was like drinking first, then spending. But then what I was doing with my parents was uh, with their divorce was I pretty much turned on like, say, we'll just say like Netflix, but like some, some streaming service, I basically just turned on a show and almost never turned it off. Like I just needed background noise. And I will say there's nothing wrong with like, if that's a temporary thing, right? If you, if you can say like, my anxiety is really bad right now. I do feel more comfortable with some noise in the house. Okay. That, that again is like a very healthy coping mechanism. I, I was just not, I was not thinking about it. I was just like, so unaware that that's what I was doing. It took like at least a month probably of, of that, which then affected my sleeping and just everything. Like it just bled into everything. I wasn't very productive um, to finally see like, okay, once again, I'm just sort of doing this to, to not feel what's really going on right now. And, and the feeling part is the hardest part of it. Um, but it's also where the most information comes out and like where you can actually figure out like, what am I feeling? What will, what will make me actually feel better? Um, and, and so then by the end of it, I was like, what is being a mindful consumer? Is that a thing? <laughs> like, just sort of, is that what I've been doing this whole time? And I didn't really know it. Um, and, and that's sort of the conclusion of the book was like recognizing that again, it is not to say don't do any of those things. And again, because we have got to strip the shame out of it right? Like there is nothing wrong with any of those things if you're doing them with the awareness of just like, yep, this is what I'm doing right now. Um, and it's short term and you know, just like, you know, like this is my coping for today, but but this is going on. I am aware of what's happening. Like, th there's such a difference in saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use this purposefully and then, uh, and then I'm I have, I'm going to work towards a different plan here. Uh, in, in my life, I never did that really until that year. Ah, oh, totally. And, you know, I just think of there was a period of my life when I used to just buy a lot of makeup and mm. think, and, and I just felt like I always needed the next thing. Like I just needed that other thing. And, you know, I had got to a point and I'm not even somebody who's really into makeup. I don't even wear a lot of a lot of makeup but for some reason I always needed more makeup and when you don't conscious and there's nothing wrong it's like exactly no, what you're saying there's, there's nothing wrong with buying wrong makeup with you want to buy makeup buy makeup it's totally yes. fine but for me it was like I was buying makeup because I wanted to feel good about myself I thought that if I wore a particular makeup or whatever that I would be beautiful but I was missing the whole point of that I didn't actually believe that myself and mm. was going ex was trying to get something external to create how my, how I felt and that's the trap I think with the overspending that we all fall into that we're looking outside of ourselves to get a feeling. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't work because no it doesn't matter what it is like top of the line 
I don't even know. What's a top of the line makeup thing? Chanel, do they do makeup? Yeah, like some cra- crazy, amazing makeup. It's, brand. it's not going to, you're still going to feel shit about yourself. If mm. you, if you feel like that, it's, you have to go to the core of like, what is actually the real issue? Like, what are you thinking about yourself? What, how are you actually feeling? And um, i this is the thing I was really curious about because you have quite a, you've got really good awareness about yourself. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people don't have that same kind of awareness. And I'm I'm curious, like, did you, were you like really into personal development or, or was this just something that um, you created the opportunity for yourself to be more aware by doing this process? I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm totally curious. Yeah, honestly. And this is a topic I've been exploring a little bit in therapy this year (laughs) is, um, is yeah. Like trying to think of how I did develop that. Um, so there are a couple of different things that I know for sure. One is that for whatever reason, as a kid, like I, I read a lot when I was a kid and when I was probably a 12 or 13 I read my first um what are they called? chicken soup for the soul do you remember those books yeah 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 I know those so books. I read my first one of those when I was like 12 or 13 and I just devoured them there was something in them that I I just remember like feeling connected to or um I don't know. And it, they were always filled with like a whole bunch of people's stories, right? Like it wasn't just one writer or one person. And I, so I, I do have this like memory of being interested in some of this back then. I think a lot of it did come from blogging because I would write so regularly and um, also very publicly. Like I had no audience for the first couple of years or not, not much of one. And then um, in paying off my debt, it grew a bit more. And then especially with the shopping ban grew even more. And yeah, there was, um, uh, I just think the act of writing regularly and reflecting on my choices regularly created a lot of that awareness. Now that does not mean that other people need to go and do it publicly, but, um, that does mean like a regular journaling practice. Right. And, and I had never thought about it until more recently, but, there was a real ritual around what I was doing. Like for a long time, I would track my spending every single week by hand. Then I would publish it online, but, but I did it by hand. Um, I also, you know, I wrote budgets and then updated them once a month. Like there was a real ritual around that. And there's a lot of awareness that can come just from the fact that I built that into my life. Um, I think because it was numbers, I didn't see it as like this personal development thing of what we sort of see now, but it was a very practical way to get to know myself and who, who I was, what my priorities were. Um, And also I think that you're spending, like, first of all, your budgets and your spending show you what you're currently prioritizing. Um, And that just, it just teaches you something about yourself. Like that you you kind of think you know, but like when you really look at the numbers, you get to know yourself in a new way. Um, so yeah, I just think a, a lot of, we'll just say public journaling <laughs> is what I was doing. Um, and yeah, and then like as time went on, I think I also used to like finally got a lot more comfortable having conversations with people. And that was something that when I was younger, I was such a perfectionist and a people pleaser that 
I was so uncomfortable with the idea of having conversations about things that I was trying, right, that I might fail at. Um, but I like slowly, I think getting more comfortable with with talking to certain people about it also helped. Yeah, I'm just nodding my head here. <laughs> <laughs> and writing, I think, is a form of thinking. And if mm. you're writing about yourself, yeah, that makes sense, actually, when you when you put it in that in that light. Yeah. And then just think, I mean, I blogged for eight years, um, so I had a very regular practice of sort of connecting with my thoughts and and putting them let's say like on paper so to speak um so it was yeah a long time and then I mean book writing has been similar in a sense of they're they're different projects but you I mean annually probably write about the same number of words um and and you learn a lot about yourself in the process of writing something so yeah, it's a lot of, just a lot of reflection. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about what that actually meant, not spending for a year. Like, what did that look like? Because it's, it's not as extreme as it sounds actually. No, no, it's not. Um, yeah. So for me, what it looked like was like, I could, the basic premise we could say is like not buying something unless I absolutely needed it. So that was things like, of course I could buy um, groceries. I could put uh, gas in my car if I needed it um like basic toiletries and cosmetics when I when I ran out of the things I actually used so I mean obviously if you run out of toothpaste like everybody wants you to buy more toothpaste <laughs> things like that but yeah so basic stuff um I'm trying to remember I was not allowed to buy like the list was kind of long for that it was like clothes and shoes again like unless something dire happened and I absolutely needed something. So what I will say is I am someone who um, typically only owns something like one pair of jeans at a time. And actually that year, my pair of jeans did <laughs> rip uh, in the inner thigh. And I remember for the first time I tried to patch them up and like you learn with stretch denim on your inner thigh, it doesn't last for that long, <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> Um, so I did buy like one pair of jeans, uh, and I bought like one sweater and one pair of boots, like for the winter, literally because I didn't have anything appropriate. Um, and also actually Emma literally just asked me the other day if, uh, or something about my boots. I, I just wear blundstones and she was like, I'm thinking of finally buying some blundstones. Like how, how long have yours lasted? I was like, I bought them during the shopping ban. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I was just, I hadn't thought about that in so long. Um, so there were a few things that I did buy. I, I could not buy books, uh, magazines, um, things like for around the house, home decor, I don't know, candles, stuff like that. Like there was, the list looked long, but kind of as time went on, really realized that I didn't care about most of it or just like most of that never really rubbed up against me in the sense that it wasn't hard. Um, I learned things about myself. Like I'm pretty much have always been someone who wears the same few outfits. So clothes shopping was nothing I actually cared about. And so I didn't miss it in any way. Um, uh, the hardest thing for me was books. Um, and that was actually like sort of similar to any sort of bad habit that you can have. Um, books for me were a bad habit in that I used to do the thing where 
I would just hear about a book that sounded good. And uh, back in the day, like immediately jump on, say, Amazon and add one to the cart. And then it would tell you like, oh, if you only spend eight more dollars, you'll get free shipping. And so I would just add another one that maybe was in my bookmarks or just also sounded interesting. And I would do that probably almost every week, maybe every two, but I had books coming all the time. And like, I would love to say that I was someone who read that many books a month, but it's pretty rare for me to read <laughs> more than maybe two. So um, yeah, so I used to do that a lot. And so books were the hardest one for me because I had such a habit around it. Um, but one of the things that helped me at the beginning with books specifically was that I actually went through my bookshelf and counted how many books I owned that I had never read. Like I still had never read. And I think it was 55, if I remember correctly. That is more than a year's worth of reading material for me, right? And uh, it, it wasn't, that number was not to shame me. It was awareness. It was, oh, I literally don't need more books. Like I have enough, I do not know, like I do not need more of these. And so every time that I would think about buying books, which for the first probably four months was often, um, I would be able to remember, I have more than 50 books that I've never even read. I do not need more. Um, I also like fortunately on that end started using the library more regularly. It was just something that I used all the time as a kid and then I don't know, I hit like 20, had credit cards and just started buying. Like it was, it's so interesting how how quickly something like a credit card could change a habit like that. Um, but yeah, those were, that was kind of the only hard, hard part was books oddly. And that would be different for everyone though. The same way, like it might've been cosmetics for younger you, right? Like younger you might've had a harder time with something like that. Or some people it would be fashion or if they have a hobby or a craft that they like to do, but you just constantly buy more and you think like you can come up with reasons. We can always justify why we might need something. Um, but it was a real practice that year of, of finally recognizing how long it takes for me to use things up. And, and all of that created awareness around knowing like, and like long-term. So where I'm at now is like, I do not need to buy things because I know how long it will take me to get through what I've already got. Yeah, mine's yarn. I've got a basket okay. full of yarn down here, a cupboard, <laughs> cupboard yeah, full yeah. of yarn. I, and and in my defense, because you know we can easily defend ourselves, uh, I was making a lot of stuff. But now this year, because I've started a business and been doing all these different things, I'm finding I'm not doing that, and it's really interesting. Um, mm. I think I don't know whether you wrote it in the book or whether you said it on the talk that you were talking about how there was a stage that you got to where you'd you'd gone through all your things, you'd got rid of stuff that you felt like you weren't using or didn't need, but then you got to a stage where you had all these aspirational things in your home, things that you thought that you would do um, but just never got around to doing. I feel like I'm at that stage too. Like we don't have a lot of stuff because we move quite a bit. I mean, we that's not true. We do have a lot of stuff because we have a family, I've got young kids, but at the same time uh, I feel like I've got a a lot of stuff but when other people come over they're like oh you've hardly got anything here <laughs> mm. um, but but yeah that's my next step too it's like oh do I really need a whole cupboard full of wool like um maybe I could give it to someone else who might actually use it maybe I'm like for something like that it's always like if it's not 
bothering you. Like the thing with, for me with stuff that I held on to was when I looked at it, I genuinely felt bad. Like I felt bad that I owned these things that I wasn't using almost like another form of shame. And it was interesting to like, it took um, removing them. So donating or giving to friends, it took removing things to see how much emotional bandwidth that was taking up. And then as soon as it was gone, it was like, oh, I can like, you just, just magically seem to like have more time to think about other things or put it into things that you care more about. It, it like feeling shame about things is it takes up so much more time than we realize and like pauses us just, just that hard stop. It pauses us in some way. Like it really restricts us and hold us, holds us back. Um, the aspirational thing too, I, it was always subconscious. I did not know this really until I was decluttering. There were so many things I had purchased for this, these like other versions of myself that I wished I was. So even on the line of books, like it was like, I had these books that I would sort of think like a smarter Kate would read. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but like truly, right. Like whether they're classics or certain books in sort of like the self-help space or like, you know, you know, the ones that are so dense, they're like a textbook. <laughs> like It was like a handbooks like that thinking like, I wish I was the kind of person who read these and, or maybe subconsciously it's like, maybe thinking um, like if people see these on my shelves, they will think I'm that person. Like it was never, I was not aware of it when I was making the purchases. You're just like, yeah, I would totally read that. Or yeah, I'd like to read that one day. And it's so simple, but like deep down when it was came time to kind of decluttering, which I did that year and, and getting rid of things, I could finally see what, what, what was going on behind those purchases. Yeah, and I think that's why the whole minimalism thing and Marie Kondo and all of that, uh, I don't think it's necessarily the goal is to not have anything in your house, but mm. what that allows you to do is exactly what you've just said. Like sometimes we hang on to all this stuff. Why? Like we don't even question it. We don't even examine why we still have this thing from uh, 15 years ago. You know, I mean, sometimes like I've I've gone through and, and done a, you know, a quick declutter in my wardrobe and I've ummed an art about a particular article of clothing. And then I'm like, I bought this when I was 20. I'm now in my 40s. Uh, mm. I can probably let it go. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. just. It's there's another, yeah, there's another aspect of it where I think even if it didn't cost a lot, I think that an extra layer of the shame is I spent money on this. And so then you think that automatically that means that you should use it. And it's a, it's a really hard one to let go of is, is that piece. It's not the physical item. It's like letting go of the fact that, yeah, it, it flat out, it sucks. It sucks that I spent money on this thing and I'm never going to use it. That sucks. And it's already been paid. Like a financial term for it is like, it's a sunk cost. You've already paid for it. The money's gone. Just, it happens sometimes. Like, and you just have to let it go. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The minimalism stuff is an interesting like topic in general. But um, yeah, it's that though. Like the, it's hard to let go of things. And I do think like, what other things in your house would you actually use if you stopped looking at all the things and like worrying about the fact that you're not using them? 
Like, what would you actually do in your space if that stuff didn't exist? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've spoke, I'll share this with you. I've spoken on, about it on the podcast before, but when we moved to Sydney, I did a massive declutter and got rid of stuff that was really had emotional baggage mm. attached to it. And uh, I used to work as a photographer a thousand mm. years ago and I had a lot of photography equipment. I mean, I'm talking tripods and lenses and ca- so many cameras and but I don't work as a photographer anymore. I do not, that's <laughs> not my job. You know, I just had a, a wardrobe full of camera gear, but because it was such a significant part of my life and something that I was really attached to, letting the cameras go felt like somehow this big deal. Mm. But what was really interesting is that as soon as I did, you know, my life has just opened up this year. And it's not just because I got rid of the camera gear. No, but no, no. It's just part of this process that that was me back then and and that was great and that was amazing. And, yes, I, I, I needed all that then and I wanted to have all that then, but that's not me now. And what does future me want to do and what does future me need? Future me doesn't need a, a wardrobe full of camera gear that Mm. like why am I carrying this stuff around with me am I going to carry it around for the next 10 years you know no this is ridiculous let it go and it was such a um I mean I don't I don't I'm sort of conscious of sounding like a total wanker but like it was really healing for me you know like I just was like yeah let it go I don't I don't need it I'm moving into the next step of my life and uh I think um, we do use up so much mental energy on exactly what you've just said, thinking about the stuff that we have and also um, the shame and whatever else comes up for people, like because everybody experiences different emotions. But it's we we hold on to so much stuff and I think just um, letting stuff go physically is symbolic of what's happening in our head because if we haven't resolved what's happening in our head it is much like you can't let it go no and I think that there's uh, just for whatever it's worth I don't think you sound like a wanker for saying that (laughs) I think um it's really hard to let ourselves change that is like it, it just is it is hard to know that we are changing to let that be true to accept that maybe what was true for us isn't true for us anymore. Um, And it's hard for us to do it to ourselves. And it's also really hard for us to do it for other people or for others to grant that to us, right? Like there's something about, like we just put ourselves in boxes and we put other people in boxes and it's just like, this is who you are. And it can be really hard to uh, let yourself, like, like let yourself, first of all, Uh, be different and be like oh that was part of who I am Um, and and yeah I don't know I watch that with my sister right now we've tried to convince my sister to sell her drum set for years because it right it's just been clutter for years and years and years now she used to play all the time when she was in her teens and she just doesn't anymore and we've tried and tried and tried and finally she just said something very similar of like that was my creative outlet and my emotional outlet for so long. And she was like, I'm just not ready yet. I was like, Oh, okay. Like just, she just named it. And so we'll stop asking. 
and and yeah and so she's not there yet of like willing to let it go okay like you also can't rush this stuff sometimes um but good on you for for like recognizing a how hard it is to let go of that stuff um and to like step into who you are like i think that is so powerful to to just step into yourself and and your money will change as a result of that like how you spend and save and everything will change as a result of that hundred percent what i uh, one of the things that you said which i absolutely loved was um someone asked you a journalist asked you a question about budgeting and whether you budgeted and you just said actually I don't even budget it's not something that I tried it it's not something that worked for me and then this was beautiful this is what I absolutely love you said I know I won't overspend because I trust myself Mm. yeah which is huge and I still feel that and I still don't budget I do, I do like have a money practice. I just track my net worth every month. So I go in and add up all my bank accounts. And if I have like $200 in my credit card or whatever, like I just add everything up. So I know my net worth every month. Um, and the goal is for it to go up, not down. <laughs> Although the market doesn't always allow for that. But um, yeah, so that is my only money practice still. And, and it is because I know that Um, I never want to put myself in a bad financial position. I know how awful it felt. I know how like the shame, yes, but also just the restriction um, and just like there was, there was no freedom, no ability to be able to make decisions that I really wanted to because everything was essentially of like just staying on top of my bills Um, And I never want to go back to that. So, yeah. And I think that's such a sign of scarcity too, like in Mm. the sense that when you, if you, and I'm not saying don't be aware of your numbers, like, oh, like just to be clear, I have a business and I do my books every month. I, you know, I, I have to stay on top of that. I mean, I've got to do that for tax purposes and so forth in my personal life with my family, we do a budget once a year, just in terms of we put money aside for yearly annual expenses. We know exactly all the annual bills, like the car rego and our memberships and blah, blah, blah. We list all them out. Then we divide it by how often we get paid. And we make sure we put that money aside every fortnight. So we just have a bank account sitting there and when the rego comes up once a year, the money's sitting there, we know we've got it, right? We do that. But I think have, and and also listen, if having a budget works for you, great, amazing, don't yeah. change. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But, but for me, I having a budget, if I was like writing up every single thing that I do every month and every single dollar I spend, that for me is like counting calories. And that's what I loved about you saying that I trust myself because I don't overspend because I trust myself. And it's like, um, you know, I don't have to count calories because I trust myself that I'm not going to (laughs) overeat. You know, like I I don't need to plan every single thing that um, item of food. I'm just trying to give a reference point for it that, um, you know, it's like I know I'm not going to, overeat so I don't need to plan every calorie I know I'm not going to overspend so I don't and also I know if I do happen to 
overspend in quotation marks, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. It's like, okay, sometimes that happens. Hello, we're humans. We're, <laughs> this is the human yes. experience. Um, I mean, yeah, sure. If you've had like a real issue and you, you want to turn it around, you want to really develop awareness around your spending. Yeah. Do a budget for a while just so you like really onto it and you can create that awareness. But I think it's sort of like once you have that awareness, you don't have to monitor yourself all the time. It's like you can develop that self-trust where you're just like, I'm in control of how much I spend. Nobody's making me. I get to decide if I spend money on this or not. And I also get to decide if I want to spend a lot of money on something or not. And it's totally up to me. Yes. And I was actually only going to add a similar point to like a, I, I did that. Like I did track my spending and write budgets for a few years and it did give me awareness. And then you do know your numbers. Like after a few years of that, you absolutely know what your numbers are. And I've, I guess I've never written about this anywhere, but annual spending is then um, like what I figured out after the shopping ban was like, I did have technically numbers. I just wasn't sharing everything publicly anymore. Um, but I did have my numbers and I could say like, okay, I know rent costs me X amount. Insurances cost me this amount. Typically I spend this amount on gas in a year. My groceries typically in a year. The beautiful thing about annual spending and the reason it takes you out of the scarcity stuff is that you, you really get comfortable with the fact that every month looks different. If you have one month that is horrible, you just feel horrible and you're like, well, of course it was a so-called horrible month. You had this massive bill or you had like whatever it was on an annual basis, you're probably fine. Like you have an opportunity to turn this around in within the year or cut back elsewhere if this budget was up too much or whatever it is like, and it's, it's um, yeah, there's a real gift. It, I think it, for some people, depending on what their numbers are and if they have no awareness, I do think you probably do have to start with a bit of tracking and really understanding that, or just going back through like your last few months of um, like bank account and credit card transactions and stuff like that. And you can figure it out from there. But annual spending, it opened me up in so many ways. And then that also similar with the shopping ban where when I recognize that like one bad day does not mean a failed experiment because I actually did have one moment of weakness in the shopping ban where I bought something that I wasn't supposed to and like very much talked myself into buying it. Um, and then unbought it, like hit return or cancel on the order and really took it as a learning experience uh, rather than an, an experience where I would just like beat myself up and give up on the whole thing, which again, like counting calories, you have one bad day and it's just like, oh, why bother? I'm done. Uh, and same with money, like, oh, I had one bad week or one bad month. Like, why am I even bothering? Because it was one bad week or one bad month. So what? <laughs> like, keep going. Keep, like, you know why? Okay, it doesn't feel good. Cool. Keep going then. Like, keep going towards what does feel good. Yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, I just love that so much. So listen, I, I, I don't want to run out of time without talking about your new book and I haven't mm. read it. So I want to know all about it. Tell us about it because it, just the title um, I feel like it, it, to me, it seems like you've been on this journey and this is like the next phase. So tell us all about it. Yeah. I mean, um, from a few people who have read it already, they have said 
it actually feels like a really natural extension off the year of less, which is really cool. Like it's just a cool thing to hear. Um, I can tell you that where it came from was when I was doing events for the year of less, what I noticed was that at every single event I did, there were about 20 that I did all together. And at every single one, um, and also with journalists, even like people would always ask a question that was like along the lines of, did you lose anyone along the way? Did you lose any friends? How, did your social life change? Like, what was your dating life like? There was always this piece around family, friends, connection um, around doing something different than what everyone else is doing. And what I noticed was that my answer at first was uh, I was just sugarcoating it, to be honest. Like I was just kind of saying the the thing that people probably would want to hear like, oh, like, you know, something shifted or you, you kind of have to change like how you socialize a bit, but it was fine. It's okay. And I also noticed that after four or five events, I was like, well, that answer doesn't feel great. Like, I don't feel good saying that because the truth is that, yeah, you, you do lose people. Like you do lose friends or you do have people who just stop calling or stop understanding you or conversations feel harder or, you're just not connecting with at all anymore. And we don't want to say those things because it's the harder truth and it's complicated and every relationship is different. And that won't be true in all cases, but could be horribly true in some others. And, and, and ultimately I just sat there thinking like in specifically sort of the minimalism and like simple living space, we are doing a massive disservice by not talking about the fact that when you decide to be the one person who lives differently, it is going to change your life. And not always in a good way. Like, like yes, the the ultimate outcome will be right for you if it feels like you're on the right path for you. But it does not mean it will come without challenges. Like, it, it is absolutely going to um, challenge some relationships. Uh, it is going to, like, if you go really deep with it, you'll really start to understand how different um, you're going against maybe the way that you were raised or things that your family does, which can really cause like disconnection with your family. Um, it, it can be extremely challenging. And then not even just in the sort of relationship aspect, but like changing your own patterns is hard. It is hard to stop doing something that you always did. And I don't know, I just thought like, so many self-help books that I read just sort of like give you 10 steps and are like, here are the benefits not to deter people from doing it, but to say, if you can be prepared that yes, it will come with ups and downs, then yes, like go do it, do the thing. But just to like, no, it's like, we just sort of like need to add a little more awareness around the fact that it, it will also be challenging whatever it is that you are doing. Um, so to me opting out, I just, so it was actually one of the taglines for the book, but to me, opting out is literally just changing paths in life. So something that you were doing, you decide you're not going to do anymore. Um, and what I take you through is sort of the five, five stages that I've sort of seen both in myself. Um, and then I interviewed a bunch of friends for the book and people that I know or have followed online. And, and everyone sort of spoke to these different points, even though I wasn't naming them for them. Like people sort of all spoke to these points of like what it feels like in the beginning, what it feels like in the middle. And then as you keep going, cause the middle can be pretty hard, but like what happens as you keep going, what the like results are, the benefits, but also yes, how life has changed in some ways that didn't feel great um, and how you manage those. And um, yeah, I, I just like, 
it was kind of fun. I took an analogy of like what it takes to complete a difficult hike and just kind of applied it to the book. And honestly, for me, it was like a really fun creative project. Um, and I feel excited about it in a way like the year of less, I'm proud of it, but I think as time goes on, um, it's like, you just realize like that was a thing I did when I was 29, right? And and so as you, like I'm 35 now and I'm only going to get older. So I'm like, oh, that was just like this thing I did then. So it's not a thing I'm going to live out for life kind of thing. Like, yes, I don't spend the way that I used to. I'm My life is somewhat similar to a shopping ban per se now. Um, but opting out, I'm like, no, like I will probably be doing this pattern or going through this cycle over and over and over again forever. Because I think that also once you opt out of one thing and, and can kind of see that you can do it, um, like the more intentional you're being, you will, you will opt out of many things in life. Um, it could be frequently, it could be five, 10 years apart. Um, but yeah, everyone I talked to ultimately had opted out of way more than even one or two things. So uh, I, do you know what, what I think about that is one, yeah, totally. Um, you, you will create new friends and move on and close up relationships with old friends. That's going to happen for sure. But I also kind of like to think about it. It's not, you're losing friends or you didn't leave them behind. They just didn't keep up with you. They didn't stay mm -hmm. on the same path that you wanted to go. You just, you know, and I, I love yeah. thinking about it that way. And um, relationships with friends have cycles just like anything else, I think. But in terms of uh, what you just said then about what happens when you, it's not all good when you, mm. when you change. But I think this is the piece that so many of us miss is that life is 50-50. We're not meant to be happy 100% of the time. Yeah. When somebody dies, you don't want to be happy at the funeral, feeling great about life. Of course not. Like it's part of the human experience to feel sadness and happiness and joy and insecurity and fear and love. And it's like the whole thing. It's a whole package. That's what life is. And we already feel positive and negative emotion now, like right where we are in our life. And when we get to this place in quotation marks that we want to go to, we're still going to feel negative emotion half of the time and positive mm -hmm. emotion half the time. And then so people ask me, so then, well, why would you have a goal to like earn more money or live somewhere else or whatever if I'm still going to feel bad half of the point of half the time and it's like because that's the point of life to just do stuff because you want to because you choose yes. to and there's going to be good and bad where you are right now and there's going to be good and bad to the place that you want to in the place where you want to go as well yes and to um like what I could see in people's questions especially was like there's a real scarcity around um being alone right? Like of, of maybe being isolated. So like the question of even like, am I going to lose friends or anything like that? It's because you can't yet see who you're going to cross paths with as a result, right? And so you're really just entering the unknown and is this concern, like what if everyone leaves me behind or I leave everyone behind or whatever it looks like. But you, yeah, there's just a, there's a, so there's a scarcity to it, 
And exactly that, like you're going to feel something either way. So why wouldn't you at least try to go after what feels like the most and just truest version of you? Why would you not live that if you're going to feel this stuff anyways? Because you're already in your current life having these thoughts, not feeling great, being afraid of being alone, all this stuff. Okay. And like the feelings are coming with you, but like, wouldn't it feel, I don't know, or just like maybe for me, I was like, it's not even about happiness. It's like, wouldn't you just at least feel more content if you were choosing what felt right for you? in that process. Totally, totally. I I mean, this is the journey that I've been on for the last 18 months, 12 months. Like I've completely changed my life and it has been scary as anything. And, you know, I'm like literally living in a different state. I now have a new career. I have a business. I'm not working as what I was doing before. I have a podcast, all these things. But it's like what you were saying about Yes, some people do get left behind or don't understand you or whatever, but also like all these new connections open up with new people who come into your life who are interested in these new things that you're doing, which is so amazing, you know, and you wouldn't have met those people or had these new experiences if you hadn't decided to go for what you want. Yes, And you do have to be open to them because I've definitely seen people pick paths and just say like, oh, I don't meet anyone or something. I'm like, there's, there's also a a part of this where like, you have to be open and um, making friends as an adult is requires you to really step outside of yourself sometimes. (laughs) Um, And it's worth it. Like it's worth having conversations. Even if you only had like one good meeting with someone, like one good coffee date or whatever, and you felt so alive because you were just aligned, like that is worth it. That feeling when you like you just connect on something, it is it is worth it. So oh yeah, I'm getting chills. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> totally, absolutely. I mean, right now, like I'm talking to you. You I'm in Australia, you're in Canada. Well, I assume you're in Canada right now. Yeah. <laughs> and um And how cool is that? Like I could not have anticipated this happening 12 months ago Mm. and now it's just a normal part of my life. It's like, yeah, on the weekend, Louis takes the kids to the pool and I talk to international authors (laughs) 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 on Zoom. It's my new life. Yeah, yeah. Love um, Absolutely. And this is what, this is all the stuff, what you open yourself up to. Yeah, exactly. If you allow, but look, we, I feel like I could chat with you all day, Kate, but we're kind of, we've sort of um, been going for a while. So I want to start wrapping it up. First of all, um, well, just finally, before we go, I wanted to ask you, cause I always ask like, What's if someone was going to take anything from this conversation today and the book that the year of less, just in terms of um, our money mindset or any practice or anything that you do that has helped you or just one little last nugget of information you think that would be helpful before we wrap up? Hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I haven't thought about this in a while, but I think that one of the things, like if someone said to me, oh, should I do a shopping ban? And I'm like, not, not necessarily. Like, it's not necessarily a thing that everyone has to go and do. 
What I do think is an interesting exercise is if you, if that's even a question that you're asking, right? Like, should I do something like this? Um, I would say do an exercise where you go through your home and maybe you know that there's one, two, three, four, five things that you buy the most of or own a lot of and just add up how many you actually own. Like the way that I did with the books and I knew then that I had like 55 books, um, just do something like that because awareness can change so much. Um, and also that really remembering that is not to make you feel bad about the fact that you have that much stuff or whatever number it is. It's not to feel bad about it. It's awareness of uh, spending decisions going forward. And also a reminder that you have enough stuff, right? Like those are the things that you, you seem to be buying a lot of. Okay, great. Does it feel like enough? Like, do you have enough to last you this year, you know, into next year, six months from now? That's amazing if you do. Um, and just to feel really grateful for that. Yeah, I really love that. You've hit the nail on the head. It's just awareness. It's totally just awareness. When you realize you've got, I don't know, five tubes of moisturizer, maybe you don't need to get any more moisturizer. In fact, that moisturizer is probably going to last you like another 12 months. At least. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes time to understand that though. It's actually the silliest thing, but I went on to do the shopping ban for a second year with the whole purpose of I kept track of how many things I used. So I learned things like that. Like I learned how many tubes of toothpaste I use or how many sticks of deodorant. And it is such boring information. <laughs> but I then like, I really understand how much I need in a year now. Um, and that it's, it's just informative for me. So, yeah. 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 I love that. All right. Well, Kate, tell us where can we find you? Is the book out in Australia yet? Because I know it's just, it's um, only just come out. Yeah, it comes out in Australia on December 1st. So soon, okay. soon, soon. Okay. Yep. Uh, I will, I'll put links to your website because I'm sure that there's yeah. information on the book there and yeah. and the year of less. And yeah. where where can we find you? What's your... Where's... Uh, in Instagram is the best. It's kind of the only place I hang out. I've been thinking of restarting a different newsletter, like kind of doing something a little different. Okay. Um, but Instagram is like my for sure. I'm there every day, so... And that's at Kate Flanders? At Kate Flanders, yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll link you up in the show notes if anyone wants to find you. I definitely, I'm like you with buying books, but I buy <laughs> a lot more books this year because of book club. So mm. um, that's like, that's a thing now. And I like my reasons, so that's okay. But I will definitely be buying that one. I'm really um, interested because I've, I, I really have loved the year of less. I just, mm. um, it's not something I'm interested in doing at all, but it just, yeah. <laughs> I just loved all the insights that you had. And I thought mm. that it was a really great um, angle to just look at our feelings, which is so funny that I, 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 I have to do a podcast just on feelings, I think, because it's a whole thing that seems yeah. to just get overlooked. And yet here we have spoken about it for an hour and yeah. it's so relevant. It is honest, whether anyone wants to believe it or not, mostly I say that being like a financial planner or something would tell you like it shouldn't be emotional. It is so emotional and that that is okay. And when you can tap into it, it can help you make the right decisions for you. So 
Absolutely. All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being with me here today. Uh, this conversation, we've gone, we've gone deep, I think. And it's <laughs> been great. So thank you. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me and just for making the space for it. It's really nice. You're welcome. Okay, well, there you have it. I love talking to authors. Kate is such an amazing and insightful person. Obviously, we have to get her book, The Year of Less, and her new book that is coming out. I can't wait to read that, and I'll definitely link that up for you. Now, if you weren't already coming to Book Club, now you know that you have to join us. It is the last one for the year, and It's actually going to be on a different date this time. It's going to be on Tuesday, the 1st of December at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. All you need to do is grab grab a copy of the book. Uh, You can do that on any good bookstore retailer. There's also a link through the website um, to make it easier for you. Uh, I show up on the Money Mindful Facebook page at 8.30 and you can just join in the virtual meeting. As always, if you want to, if you want help living an intentional life, actually doing all the things you want in your life instead of just fantasizing about them, book a call with me. I can help you do this. Until next time, have an amazing week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Money Mindful podcast. For more info, visit moneymindful.com.au. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. And remember, the information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account your personal circumstances or goals. Please seek professional advice for your own financial needs. Remember to have fun along the way.